Hey guys, and welcome to the Creative Influencer Podcast, where we chat about living as the most epic version of yourself, being an entrepreneur, personal development goals, mom hustle, and starting a new life over as a single boss babe. Life is way too short to sweat the small stuff, and living your life as the most intentional and exceptional version of you is the only way to achieve your dreams. I am your girl, Amanda, an entrepreneur and goal-obsessed hustler in personal development, business, and fitness. So if that is your vibe too, then we are going to be besties. I freaking love sharing my new goals, new ideas, business successes to help you achieve the goals that you want as a high achiever. My growth is the reason I started this podcast because I am just like anyone else. But sometimes I didn't believe enough in what I could truly accomplish in life. So let's dive into this episode, grab a notepad, some pens, and your heart and mind to fill with some really good stuff. Let's go. Hey guys, have you heard about the new RB High Achiever course? It's now being offered and guys, I'm so excited for this. This has been a huge undertaking and journey to get this up and running. So please head over to the website and get yourself registered for learning on how to become the highest version of yourself as a high achiever. Personal development and growth mindset, that has been a forefront in my personal growth. And I've had so many people ask me how I can juggle and manage all of these day-to-day tasks from being a mom, a business owner, and community leader. So if you are interested in learning about all the little tips and tricks, then this course is for you. Sign up today at rbfurnitureshop.com forward slash high achiever. I cannot wait to see you guys there. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Creative Influencer Podcast. If you are looking to get some information on what it is to live abroad in in a different country, specifically in Peru, if you've ever wondered about what life is like down there, you are definitely wanting to tune into this podcast. This is filled with a ton of content. So please, please, please go grab pen and paper, take some notes, and you're going to want to jot this stuff down. I am such a travel bug. And uh, gosh, I feel like this was like last summer, I had got it into my head that I really wanted to travel to Peru. For those of you like that are just tuning into the podcast, I love to travel and I also love CrossFit and I love being a girl boss. I love being an entrepreneur. And we talk a lot about these different type of topics here on the podcast, what it takes to like solve mental health issues, all the stuff. So backtrack and rewind. So it was about a year ago and I'm sitting in a CrossFit gym and a couple of nights prior to that, or like week prior to it, I'd actually been deep down the Google rabbit hole trying to figure out how to piece together a trip to Peru. I've always wanted to do Machu Picchu, and I've always, always, always wanted to try to be able to travel to Peru. I just found it like a little bit overwhelming in the sense where I'd be like, one, I'm going to be traveling by myself. 
Two, I just find like it's a little bit overwhelming because it's something that I've never really done before. We're going into, you know, uh, South America. I'm not really sure. And again, I wanted to be able to find there's lots of different options to get to Machu Picchu in terms of like different guided options. And a couple of my friends have done it. So anyways, fast forward, I end up being at a Saturday class and this girl, Kelly, walks in. I end up getting paired with her. So random how the universe like aligns all of this stuff. And lo and behold, Kelly is one of the coolest human beings that you're going to meet on this podcast. Um, I got to interview her and she actually lives in Peru. So I had lost my sort of mind when I'm doing this workout and we had to partner up and she was a really, really strong athlete, such an inspiration to me and ended up being able to like have some coffee with her and uh, she would share all of these like great details about Peru. And she also does like kite surfing down there, which I find is like so cool. I love wakeboarding. I'm a huge surfer myself and I love being able to travel to Costa Rica for it. So we just like had this immediate connection and I felt like it was worth a podcast because I feel like so many people are so drawn to life especially like like I have a lot of ass too about Costa Rica. I have a lot of ass about like Peru. And I felt like this is more of a style of interview where it's like, we're going to break some things down. A lot of questions about like how Kelly got to be living down there, what it takes, like what kite surfing is all about. So for any of you guys that are out there and you're, you're thinking about, you know, doing a trip to Peru, I highly recommend that you reach out to uh, Kelly. I'm going to put the links into the podcast notes for all of her property rentals that she has. She has a beautiful um, places and rentals that are down there. They're really, really, really um, specifically catered to. So you could do like a work from home option. There's lots of kite surfing lessons and boarding, like all that stuff. So, and there's gyms and all the stuff. And Kelly's like one of the coolest human beings. So if that's ever like something that you've wanted to do on your bucket list, you definitely want to tune into this podcast. And I'm just like so grateful. I just think that I want to take a moment to just to be able to sort of encourage people, I guess, to really kind of like push themselves out of the comfort zone. Like I think about myself and Kelly and I had actually kind of a little bit had a conversation about this where it's like, if I wouldn't be where I am today, I'm not sure that I would have met Kelly in like my line of path of like where I am in the universe. If I hadn't have gone in and pushed myself into a CrossFit facility, joining a gym, if I hadn't have been able to be you know, aligned with her that day, if I hadn't have like researched Peru, like all the stuff like lining up. So it just sort of, for me, keeps on bringing me back to that, I guess, sort of like, you know, realization, I guess, with just CrossFit and being able to be in like a community setting like that, a community setting that holds you accountable. And I will tell you guys, like some of the coolest people, the coolest human beings that I meet, are honestly from inside the walls of a CrossFit facility. And and it's it's not, a, it's, this is not a promotion for CrossFit. It's really not. It's just that that's where I do. I, a lot of people will ask me like, how did you know that? How do you do that? Like everybody that I meet, everybody that's been on this podcast that I feel worthy enough of having an interview, not everybody, but a lot of people are from inside a CrossFit facility. The cool thing about being able to go to a CrossFit facility is that they're also located all over the world. So it, so far for me, like I've been able to go to Iceland and like work out in CrossFit gyms and we're all like carrying the same like information and work it and like wads and all that stuff. And it just, it's so amazing to be able to, it's number one travel tip that I will say, 
you want to learn how local people live in any country that you're visiting, go to a CrossFit gym because they will have coffee with you and go to a morning class because they're chatty after coffee. And that is the best tourist information that you're going to get. So that's my tip. And if you don't, if it's CrossFit's not your thing, I mean, you can scale yourself back. If you feel like it's really, an, if it's a, you know, an intimidating sport, which it, it it is, it can be if you do push yourself to that, but scale yourself back, get out there, get out of your comfort zone. Because for me, I'm about to embark on, you know, a trip later in the year to Peru and being able to like go down there and I've met one of the coolest people that I think, um, you know, I've been able to like become really, really good friends with. I love Kelly. I love when she comes back here to Canada in the summer and I look forward to the, you know, being able to go and visit her down in Peru. And if I wouldn't have been able to get out of my comfort zone, that might not have happened. So tune in to this podcast. Make sure to go grab a pen, paper, some pencils, take some notes because this is all about what life is like in Peru and how to get uncomfortable with all of the things that speak to you. Today on the podcast, we have Kelly, and Kelly is one of my favorite people in the whole world because uh, I feel like I met you. It's actually, I feel, so just a little bit of backstory about how I met Kelly was at CrossFit, and I think the first time that I met you was during a Monster Mash class, (laughs) (laughs) which is like Saturday workouts, which are like super hard. And I had, I had actually been Googling the week prior about how to get to Machu Picchu and how to do a Peru trip. And I ended up being paired with you and you're from Peru, which I'm like, I have to talk to you and I have to have coffee. So I'm so happy that you're actually on the podcast and I want to be able to share with our listeners about the cool, epic stuff that you do and your life in Peru. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your backstory um, of Peru and how you ended up living there. Yeah, sure. Thank you for inviting me, Amanda, to the podcast. It's really nice to be here. And yeah, I'll start off with a little backstory. I was actually born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, in the suburbs. And significant about my childhood, I think, was uh, the biggest focus of my childhood growing up was uh, an emphasis on gymnastics. I lived and died for gymnastics, which is then later becomes a big part of my adult life and doing CrossFit and continuing this trend of fitness throughout my adult life. Um, But that was it growing up in the suburbs. And when I was a senior in high school, my mom actually moved to Panama And she totally, she wanted to live self-sustainably in the mountains in Panama. I thought as a kid she was absolutely crazy. Now, as an adult, I can really appreciate that want to live in another country. Uh, But she opened my eyes up to what it would be like living in another country. And as I went to college, I would spend the summers in Panama instead of going back to, to Cleveland. And with that exposure to the culture, I got really into learning the language, learning Spanish, and I studied abroad as well in college in Spain, so I got more familiar with the Spanish language. I actually minored in Spanish, which was super helpful throughout. And when I finished college, I had this want to change the world, to do something really impacting, to live outside the country, and I signed up for the Peace Corps. And in the Peace Corps, they send you anywhere in the world. You have no idea. This, this was 
back in 2000 and 2008. So, and now Peace Corps changed a bit. You can select your country, but in that time, they would send you anywhere in the world. And I got a, a letter saying I was going to Peru for the next two years to work in in small business business development. And I literally got on a flight that I think two weeks later, and showed up in Peru. And so Peru wasn't exactly a country I picked to to turn out to have such an impact in my life but it was a country that I was placed in for work and it was an opportunity and I jumped on it and I was sent to the Andes Mountains to like a small town it was 23 hours away from from the capital city of Lima it was six hours from the nearest internet connection I was disconnected and I lived when I was I was 21 years old and I lived two years in this small community um, it was a really, really life-changing experience. It, it, how I viewed uh, life, people, poverty, uh, the cycle of poverty, and how hard it is to get out of that. Everything changed in my perspective and, and meaning of life, really. Um, it was an incredible experience. And when that experience ended, when the contract ended, uh, at the time, I was actually I was dating someone who was in Lima, in the capital, and I thought... It, the, the U.S. wasn't in a great period. It was 2010. Friends weren't getting jobs, and Lima was booming. And so I moved to Lima and started a life there, career, everything. Um, and I just I kept saying, one more year, one more year. Someday I'll move back to the States. And now it's been 15 years. A lot has changed. I've lived in different spots. Um but I've been in Peru now for 15 years. That's really cool. Yeah. So just, I want to just like go back a little bit because I actually, like I, I am Canadian, but I grew up in the UK. So I don't actually understand what the Peace Corps is. Like yeah. what is the Peace Corps? That's a good question. It is a development agency with the U.S. government. Okay. And you can serve the country and the U.S. in different ways. You can join the military. The Peace Corps is one branch of serving the country. And th- there's a lot of benefits if you are a Peace Corps volunteer or return Peace Corps volunteer to get um, into government work or, or different advantages for studying later on. Um, but essentially, you're serving the U.S. but helping development in countries that ask for the U.S. help. Okay. So it's usually a country that we're on good terms with, and that country asks we really need help in. It could be economic development, in different like portfolios of, of uh, basically the U.S. sends volunteers out. Okay. And they're paid for. We get a minimum stipend um, to pay for for housing, living, but really it's volunteer work. So when you, so in the Peace Corps, so when you're in the Andes Mountains then and you were there, would it have been like a, like a, was the incentive then that you would be doing, like what type of work were you doing there when you were in the mountains? I was a small business development volunteer. Okay. And volunteers are placed in different areas, different towns around the country, but usually they're not together. So maybe the closest volunteer, other volunteer was in a community that was six or eight hours away. So we're pretty isolated and we have a goal to improve the, those of us that worked in economic development, like prove the, improve the economic development of this town in a sustainable way so that when you leave, they're able to, to improve their quality of life whatever however you see fit so you get there and you don't really know anyone you're put in touch with a couple people leaders in the community and you figure out okay maybe there's an opportunity for this Um, you'll always end up volunteers usually always end up as well teaching English growing confidence among um, the the community because you're a total 
Like, you come in as a total foreigner, and you're not really sure what you're doing there. They're not really sure what you're doing there, and they can, people can be suspicious as well. So you need to gain trust among the community members, identify where, what aspects or where you could impact uh, their lives in a substantial way, in a sustainable way, and then you focus on those goals and they could be ever-changing throughout your two years, and and you work with the local peoples to to make those changes. That's cool. That's, like, a, like really rewarding in that sense, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure that you probably have felt that. I have another. So you mentioned also, too, that so moving from Cleveland, how old would you have been if you were in Cleveland? So you grew up as a kid in the U.S., in Cleveland, and then your mom decides that she's going to move to Panama. Yeah. Like, like that's such a big shock. Yeah. Culturally, like everything. So how, like how, one, how old were you when that happened? And two, like, how did that feel as a kid to go through those motions? Like, were you, yeah. did you embrace it? Like, how did that, how did that go? <laughs> yeah, that was really tough for me. When I was in high school, I cared about high school and I cared about, I love, you know, being where I was and my life there. And so I did feel a bit, abandoned in a certain way that my mom wanted to leave and go to to Panama and at the time I remember telling her and we always laugh about this now is how could you ever leave this place it's perfect you know and I really thought that I was I was a happy little kid you know and um and and I didn't get it for a long time but then when I started going for summers in Panama and how that that changed my life her moving there it really like I've only gratitude now for it and now she always says like I am her you know like I really feel like I'm my mother's daughter because I have the bug that she has and I don't have to explain to her why I'm living in Peru she gets it and does she still live in Panama she actually moved back a couple years ago okay uh, but she was out there for a good I think 10 12 years wow yeah Yeah. I think it is like such a big I feel like traveling now like that that it's become such a like a trendy thing to do where people will like get up and relocate so like I I think to do that prior like I feel like now it's becoming a little bit more trendier for people to do but Panama Peru like they're all countries that um they seem like they're 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 so you know inviting to come in and do it but not a lot of people will actually do it actually yeah. do it yeah. yeah so after that so after you were in um the peace corps so you ended up in lima uh-huh. and then you were working in lima how did that go yeah yeah i uh i first didn't have my papers to to work legally so i was trying to figure that out um and i interviewed to start studying for i was taking going to do a master's in marketing which i felt was going to improve my my spanish and get to know people and start a life there and during that interview process uh, i ended up getting a job at the, the that university and that ended up leading to a moment where i turned over about a year later into working in corporate life in peru um, that opportunities i felt like down there in lima I mean, the city was growing so fast, and it felt like every conversation I was having with people, it was leading to another opportunity, another opportunity. I I never really formally applied for jobs. They kind of just fell into my hands. Um, the first the first big job I got was working for a big retailer, like a, a Macy's or a, they were launching 
their e-commerce. This was in 2013. And I remember going to the interview and somebody saying, hey, we know that they're launching their e-commerce. They need some people. Um, you know about e-commerce. And I, was, and I was coming from rural Peru, like the mountains disconnected <laughs> from internet totally. But like, they're like, you're a gringa, you know, you're, you're American, you know this stuff, come on in. And so I interviewed and I remember saying, well, I have purchased online before because at the time <laughs> when I, you know, in the U.S., we had, we hadn't yet, we hadn't had smartphones yet, but we had purchased on, we were doing that. And I remember them saying, really? Like you've purchased online? Yeah, you're hired. You're hired. And I just remember sitting in my first day of work of like, oh my God, what, what am I supposed to even be doing here? Like, so it was cool because every job I've ever gotten there, I've always felt like, what am I doing here? I'm way underqualified, but then you fake it till you make it. Yeah. And especially I think as a foreigner, you have a bit of an advantage because it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, this is how we do it back home. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I never worked in corporate world in, yeah. in the U.S. I came straight to Peru, but sure, we're going to run with it. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I think that sometimes, like, the biggest things that you do in that perspective or, like, the like the scariest things that you do often end up being, like, your greatest accomplishments. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, like, I, I mean, I think a lot of the times, like, I feel like as an entrepreneur – you know, there's people will ask me like, how do you do it? And it was like often because it, the reality is, is that I've gone on Google and I've researched how to do something. Yeah. And it's funny because even like our yeah. e-commerce site, like I've built it. I had no qualifications yeah. prior to doing that. This is like, you figure it out. You yeah. figure it out when you're put in a situation like that, you figure, you figure it, it out. You figure it out you pretty find the quickly. people in the company that, that help you out. And yeah. that's a huge yeah. skill set to have yeah. too. Yeah. So after that, so you're working in corporate, um, positions that are in Lima and how was it like living in Lima like tell, tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah um so the first couple of years I was living more of like a local life I was in a re relationship that when as soon as it ended I actually considered moving back to the U.S. and then I had at the moment I had a job that I really liked and I was like okay once I get myself back on my feet then like how am I going to do this where am I going to live? And I had this moment of, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And this is when I was around 28. And so I moved to Miraflores, which is like the very best part, most touristic, but like also right on the boardwalk of, um, of the ocean. Like, so Lima is the only capital in South America that's actually on the ocean. It's on the Pacific ocean. And literally like you have these high rises that are over this cliff that overlook the ocean and it's gorgeous. There is, there's places to run all over the town. Like it's this tourist area that honestly, I didn't really spend a lot of time in before. And so I moved down there and I was like, okay, I'm just going to try with a good job to like see if this is my home. And I, I did the most important thing was I joined a gym and that gym transformed my life in Peru. Uh, it became that crew of people. I remember working out. Um, it was very similar to CrossFit. Uh, very similar. They were focused more, they are focused more on um, obstacle course racing, but the daily trainings are regular high intensity interval trainings and community based. And I remember the first time we kept seeing a group of girls we kept seeing and training together every day and and one of the girls after class was like hey guys um you know do you have any plans tonight what if we do like a girls night and that girls night was what changed like everything for the next future of my time in Peru because I really had a crew and it was a mix I would say it was 
probably 70% Peruvian. There was like seven or eight of us, and um, the majority are Peruvian, but also like a girl from Argentina, a girl from Spain, and all of us deciding to live in Peru. Um, and so then having that core group, then we were making plans a lot. And Lima's a big city, so it's 10 million people, 11 million people around that size. That's about double the size of Toronto, um, if you include greater sure, Toronto. Yeah. And it is, it's hustle and bustle, it's fast paced, but it's also a very Latina culture in that it's a community-based culture. You put your friends and family as high priority and people are, are constantly trying to get together and do things. And you're also very close to, to mountains, to the desert, to, to the jungle. Uh, you have lots of different terrain in Peru, and so you're able to make we weekend plans with friends where you can go running or you can explore new places, and I found my crew to do that. So I think that was a huge change, and it really allowed me uh, to see Peru in different eyes, like see it more as a local instead of a tourist, and f start to feel like this is my home. Yeah, the I think that that like I say this a lot. I I feel that having a community is number one. Like number one. Like I think, you know, outside of having goals like life goals, is that if you can find a community that keeps you and holds you accountable for your actions. And we talk about this a lot at CrossFit, and I think it can be obtained not just in a CrossFit facility, but like any type of community base, like a great gym. Um, it it holds you accountable. And what happens is that I, I'll say this, like I, I probably have met some of the, the coolest people, most interesting people and people that I want to have conversations and like visit with in my life from inside the gym. Like it, yeah. the, the, those people that I've met, I've never have I ever gone and experienced anything else like in my life where the people that I'm surrounded with, like they're all so interesting and everybody, you know, has a story to tell. And I, I find that that it, it's almost like I, I try to promote that all the time. I try to promote it, especially yeah. even like on the podcast, like talking about that because I feel like people need to understand, like, it's not just about going yeah. to like a good life and like seeing your neighbors or seeing like, you want to be surrounded by people that are doing really, really cool stuff because that's what makes you you're like, Hey, like maybe yeah. I should do that or yeah. that it's, and I'm sure like being in a country and I know I've experienced that where if I go, um, I, I, I love traveling to Costa Rica and the gym that is down there, the CrossFit gym that's down there, it's a lot of people, similar story. They're all there. They've all moved there. And that community almost like becomes like this banded family yeah, and, absolutely. and they are trying to keep, it's like they're doing trips, they're doing those, those type of things, which keeps you linked together because yeah. it's like, it's like, this becomes your extended family. It and is. It's, it's it beautiful. Is. So you're yeah. living in Lima, you have your community that's there. So what ends up making you move to Paracas? Yeah. Which good, is... good question. So one of my girlfriends that I knew from the gym, she had she would always go to Paracas on the weekends. And one weekend, she decided to sign a, a group of us uh, up for classes to learn to kite surf. And I had no idea what kite surfing was. Like, you, I don't even, I don't even think I looked it up. Like, I, I just, I was like, all right, I'll do it. I'll just jump myself. Okay, cool. Weekend plans. And essentially what it is, is if you can think of yourself, you're basically on like a, like a snowboard over the ocean, over the water, 
and you're connected with 40 meters of lines that go up to like a parachute, basically, that we call a kite. And that you're moving from your, from your hips and from your arms, you're moving that kite back and forth, which is gliding you along the water. And if you move in certain ways, you can jump and do tricks and, and things like that. But you need wind for this sport to work. Like you cannot kite without wind. So there's a place about three hours from Lima. So think of it as like Tirana to Muskoka, right? So we're talking Lima to Paracas that you have one of the, it's the second driest desert in the world and it meets the cool Pacific Ocean. So what happens is every day as the heat of the desert rises, the cool of the ocean comes together and they create a thermal wind. It's like clockwork. It turns okay. on at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and turns off at 6 p.m. Is that always, like, I find, like, that's very interesting. So that, like, is similar. So I surf. We're constantly looking for tides uh-huh. and what it's coming in at. Is, yeah. So at, so from 12 to 6, that's the time that it happens yes. and it doesn't change? No. I find that so interesting. It's very different from, like, you think of when we, we I'm a kite surfer now and I'll explain how I end up in Muskoka. But I now, like, with my partner who is the most obsessive uh, kite surfer that I've ever met, we follow wind in Ontario and it is <laughs> terrible <laughs> because here it's windy when, when there's a storm coming, there's a front mm. and, and it's like, it might be raining and, and the forecasts aren't accurate. It's very different than like having a stable, constant wind every day that turns on and off. It's predictable. You can like have your work schedule around it. Um, and I think for like a lot of listeners that don't understand or know, like for me, and I can't speak about kite surfing or 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 what that looks like, but when I'm surfing on the ocean, you are looking to see what tides are coming in. It's a very clockwork. It's, it's almost like I would say I'm not even able to read it as well as some as what like the master surfers are. The ocean is very... It, it can be sometimes difficult to understand what currents are coming, like all, yeah. all of those yeah, yeah. things. So even when it comes to kite surfing and you're using wind and, and all of that, that, that stuff, it's like you have to schedule your stuff in. Like I think, yeah. I don't think people yeah. understand that yeah, yeah. if that's not your world, like even for myself and like my, my kids, like I'm like, okay, we have to do things at certain times and we get a little yeah. bit obsessive about making sure that we're scheduling in. Like I'm sure like with you, probably you and your partner, like yeah. with Nick, right? You guys are like, okay, like I've got a meeting, but like I'm going to work yes. around this yeah, because that's when the wind's coming. Especially, yeah. Especially in Ontario with, in Paracas, it's easy. We don't need to look at forecasts because it's, it's clockwork. It's very, it's reliable. It's consistent. And it, it's a thermal wind um, that comes from that change. So that's what, like, those circumstances are what allow for Paracas to be this, I think it's, honestly, I've traveled quite a bit now for kite surfing, and it's one of the best places in the world to learn to wow. kite surf, because it's, it's super safe, it's constant wind, it's ideal conditions that you look for, for learning to kite surf. So I got really into it, and I would go every weekend, I would drive down, I rented a, a place with friends, and... We would go down, back and forth. And mind you, I never had a car at this time. I was taking buses and, like, hitching rides and figuring it out. But, like, that was fine because it's, you know, it, it was just, like, part of the life there. And I just, I fell in love with the sport. Um, and I continued doing the gym in, in Lima and I continued working in Lima. 
until right before the pandemic. And during that time, I got as well very into uh, trail running, and I wanted to start my own business based on, on trail running in Peru, actually. Um, and so I decided, so I was spending more time as I started my own business, I was spending more time in Paracas and then on the beach and the kite surfing beach in Paracas, I just see this wonderful, handsome man (laughs) and fast forward, we start dating and he's Canadian. He's from Muskoka area. And so our lives then cross over to create this combination of Muskoka Peru life because he he's able to work remotely and he loves the wind. He loves Paracas as a place for kite surfing where he can go and kite every single day. And he also has family here and uh, he, they, have a, they have a farm here close by. And so um, he's dedicated to being here as well in the summers. So we now live summer to summer, eight months a year in Paracas and four months a year in in Muskoka. That's how I end up here. <laughs> That's cool. And I think that, like, when you say, like, just so that listeners, like, understand, like, your level, like, you, you travel quite a bit, like, when you're down in South America. So when you say Paracas yeah. is one of the best places, it's because you were experienced with going to multiple different locations. Yeah. Like, I know you've been to Brazil. Yeah. I'm sure that you have been to other places. Yeah. So that's such a draw. Like, I'm so intrigued for myself where I, I haven't, I have not yet traveled to Peru yeah. or Paracas, but I'm so excited actually to go there. I love wakeboarding and I love surfing. So the, for me, like the combination of those two yeah. sports, I is feel like, like you're going to love this part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when you say that this is the, like one of the best places I'm, I'm literally like, I'm on there and I'm like Googling and I'm, mm. I mean, it looks stunning. It looks so beautiful. Yeah. And we were talking about this last yeah. night about jellyfish and like all these like <laughs> crazy things that, you, you know, that, uh, obviously, I mean, jellyfish are in the ocean, but, uh, yeah, just like, just be able to see that it must be like, like it must be so freeing to be there, like on the ocean and, and just like surfing. Like, do you yeah. feel that? Yeah. For me, kite surf is a very relaxing meditative sport. There's different ways to kite surf, and my partner kites in a very different way. He will, and he holds the the record of, of highest jump. He's at, like, jumping 15 meters while being held on to a kite. And every time he gets in the water, he's pushing himself athletically to really outperform. And, and he loves riding like that. It's like going into train, and you're training hard. I actually find the sport quite the opposite end. I train hard in CrossFit. That's like my competitive um, or obstacle course racing or if I'm going to run a race, like I go hard at it. But for me, kite surfing, I actually find it quite meditative. I spend a lot of time just going back on the fourth in water. I I think about things. I like, it's, it's very personal time uh, Mm -hmm. because you're out, you're on, you're, there's other people kiting around you, but essentially like it's time with yourself and the water and nature. It's a really beautiful sport to really connect with yourself, I think. Yeah, I think that, 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 that I, I am actually so excited to come and try it in Peru. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, um, yeah, it just, it, it looks like I find sometimes even when uh, the same thing, like when you're surfing, like it gets you into kind of a meditative state where you're just like focusing on certain things. And I, I'm sure it just like, you know, if you consider snowboarding or wakeboarding or it's like you can push yourself. That's the cool yeah. thing with those sports. You can, 
you know, it's uh, like surfing. Like, you know, if you lean forward, you can get fast. If you're, yeah. you know, on your back yeah, foot, you you're going to slow down. Uh-huh. And it's the way that you want to sort of design your workout for yeah. the day. So yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's super cool. Um, yeah. So I guess I, like, I think some of the questions that I've, I, I find you really interesting, like just to have a chat about and, you know, what, what do you find are the biggest challenges living outside of your home country? And do you even consider the U S like your home country (laughs) (laughs) or Canada? Like what's, what's, yeah, that's very interesting. Like in my head, I associate culturally U S and Canada very similarly compared to Peru. Um, they are very different in their own, um, many cultures, but I, I am grateful and feel very like, uh, I think gratitude is the biggest word to be from the U.S. Um, to have the access to the education system that I had to to grow up the way I did. Um, but I feel like I am an outsider now when I'm in the U.S. And I'll always feel like I think there's even though I feel very Latina, very Peruvian in so many ways, there's always like that tiny bit where you're never like a hundred percent. So I feel like you then become in this realm of, of like, you're not a hundred percent this or a hundred percent that Canada as well. Like I'm, I'm not from Canada. I'm Muskoka. And so I meet everybody here and like, I am a bit of an outsider. Um, but nonetheless, I think no matter where you live in the world, you make the decision to live there. And so if you're making that decision, you have to be conscious of it and say, okay, I'm going to take this place for the good and the bad. Like mm-hmm. there are things that are going to drive me crazy as far as the, the biggest challenge. I think one of the biggest challenges is in Peru. Things just don't get done so quickly. People say they're like, we just put a house together and trying to get a house together and have Everything from like, you know, getting furnishings to uh, the, the stuff that you sell to getting things painted and when suppliers are coming and you're thinking, remember, you're you're building a house in in the Muskoka. So you're three hours away from the city. So everything's even more challenging. But if you accept that and say, OK, you know what? Maybe the painter's gonna come today. Maybe he's not. I'm gonna make my plan B. Like I'm, I'm not gonna get stressed about it. It is what it is. He'll come eventually. Like yeah. if you make that conscious decision that you're not gonna change that culture, but if you adapt to their culture, then you're gonna find peace in wherever you are. So when I'm in Canada, I will be. I feel like my culture adapts a bit more to like the Canadian culture. And then when I'm in Peru, like even I think the way I speak and my mannerisms change a bit because I become a bit more like Latina in certain, in certain things. So I think there's challenges and there's also challenges when you, when I'm in the U S or in, in Canada. And, um, I was just saying the other day, like uh, that there's, there's this concept of reverse culture shock and it's, what happens when you go back to a country or culture that you're from and you are surprised by how much things are different or you've essentially changed, the, the country hasn't, but it affects you differently because you're used to now a different perspective. Um, and that that does happen. You'll, you'll feel yourself like experience it in different ways. It, it could be, I don't know, one time I was in the States with my family and I just, 
I couldn't imagine how much like paper towel, this giant paper towel roll was just being like torn apart and used up throughout the dinner. And I was just like, oh my God, like, let's just use a little bit guys. Like the, the consumerism or, or there's like a complex of when I go into the grocery store here, there's just so many options for milk. I just mm. like, sometimes I just want like two or three options. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's a little overwhelming, you know, uh, so sometimes things will surprise you on, on how you're affected in different cultures. But I think the most important thing is, um, to be aware that there are going to be challenges wherever you're going and remind yourself that you're making this decision. You're not, don't try and change anybody else's culture. Don't push that, that you know, somebody has to do it a certain way because that's the way you know. You're going into that culture, you adapt yourself, and that will create a huge amount of peace and allow you to, like, enjoy. Just take it, you just have to laugh about it, some of the things that happen down there because it's just, it's just things don't work as easily and you yeah. just have to accept it and move forward. You know? I think that is a cool thing though too, right? It's about like having that mindset where, you know, you just don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Like you're there. It's part of the process. You know, if we're all living this, like for me, a big reason to be down in, you know, Central America or some of the more less abundant like cultures, especially when you compare that to Canada, like I, and in the U S I would say as well, the, the U S and Canada, I think are very similar in that aspect. Like right where you're, you're going to these big box shops and you're buying and yeah. it's just the overindulgement yeah. and stuff. And Amazon. I think <laughs> sometimes like we don't even realize that we're doing that. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll go and I'm like, okay, yeah, like I need to go get some chicken and stuff like that. And I bought, you know, 42 drumsticks. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to eat 42 drumsticks. Right. right. <laughs> like, right. The, but it's, it, it, that's, and we fall, we just become, yeah. because that becomes like the normal. And yeah. I like the idea of being able to go and simplify things, yeah. you know, where it's like my mind doesn't need to process, like, you know, I don't need to have this abundance of stuff in life. And before we started recording this podcast, I literally told Kelly, I was like, you know what, Kelly, like if it doesn't fit in my backpack, it doesn't belong <laughs> in my life. Like it's, and, that, and I think when you can flip to that, I think it's just like, there's some beauty to it where, yeah, like it's just like, it's simplified and allowing things to just sort of naturally evolve. You know, you just don't get so stressed out. I work in a job where, you know, I will have a lot of clients that are really stressed. Like they come in like really, really stressed. And even, you know, part of my job is to, to talk people down. Like a lot of people think, oh, design. And like, it's so great. A lot of it is talking to your clients. A lot of it is doing like one-on-one, -on -one. like almost like yeah. you're almost like a coach for them. <laughs> really? Right. Because you can't, you know, it's not, it's unproductive in order to have, yeah. you know, people when they're, when they're, they're really, really stressed out. So when you're there and you've talked about some challenges, um, you know, living in Peru, what advice would you give to people that, you know, are considering a move to maybe perhaps Peru or, you know, a central, a central, maybe South American country, yeah. um, that you've experienced that you would, you know, you give them some advice on in order to, um, to help them. With yeah. Yeah. I think, I think my biggest piece of advice follows up a little bit about what I just talked about is going in with a mindset of not trying to change anybody else uh, and being self-aware about what frustrations you're having, recognize it and, 
accept that. It's hard. Um, it's easy to, to find another expat or another someone else from your culture and kind of we there's a saying of like Peru bashing. Like it's easy to get together and like talk shit about the difficulties of mm. of a country, but there's I hate that. I don't like to get together with with Americans. That actually happens quite a bit, and I. I've, I don't think I really have, I, mean, I could count them on my fingers, any Amer the amount of American friends I have in Peru, um, because there's often like a negative aspect. If you make the decision to move down there, I think the most important thing is you need to keep your mind open and adapt mm. to that culture. The other really important things are you have to find a few local people that you can really trust. It's not, it takes a little bit of time, but a lawyer is very important if you're ever interested in doing buying land. But having a lawyer you really trust is a very is very essential. And also, um, if you're spending time away, having somebody to look after your house or somebody that you can trust when you're gone is very important as well. I think those are the the biggest aspects of advice there. I love that. Yeah, that's. I think um, Kelly has shared a lot of tips and advice for me, especially as I like try to think about, I, I also, I want to say too, I think that to go back with living down there, I feel like we're similar, like growing up in different countries and being exposed to that. For me now, like as my kids got a little bit older, it's something that I feel like is so important for kids to get exposed to yep. because I just think it, it, it just like, it's such a humbling experience. Like I've, I have been able to travel to a lot of different countries and that to me now as I go through life and I'm kind of walking and it's it's that's that's literally where I get all of my energy it's like where I yeah. get all of my stuff I feel like I'm in a very selective group of people yeah that are like that have that type of of lifestyle yeah and um I'm just like forever grateful for yeah. being able to be my parents exposing me to that and maybe it wasn't intentional like my parents are Scottish so they'd move back and forth but right. um just now being able to like travel and, and do that and now being able to show that to my kids right um yeah it's like it's so important the other big thing too is that Kelly I wanted to ask you a little bit about so I know that you um you have some properties that for people that are thinking about traveling to Paracas to learn oh, about yeah. kiteboarding and, or kite surfing, um, which by the way, I had to ask you a question yeah. yesterday. I was like, what's the difference between kiteboarding or kite surfing? Yeah. And there's yeah. no difference. <laughs> some people call it one, some people call it, yeah. it's the same sport. Yeah. yeah. So if people were, or any of the listeners were looking to inquire about, you know, possibly doing a vacation down there, coming down to yeah. see, you know, see you or see that culture in Paracas because it sounds like it's incredibly like amazing and I know that there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are wakeboarders and surfers yeah. so how would they get in touch and like how would they reach out uh you know to perhaps for you or what would you recommend for them to start that process yeah yeah sure um well I have this beautiful opportunity to manage high-end apartment rentals right across from the kite surfing beach and we, because we are so obsessed, myself and these other friends in the community, with gym and working out and healthy lifestyle, in our condominium, we have a full gym and co-working space. We basically created a space uh, that we wanted to live, and then a bunch of people bought into this concept, 
and those that are not there full time will rent out their apartments and I manage those rentals. So it's kind of like build how you want to live and then find like-minded people that, that want to do that. And if you're, if any listener out there is interested in doing that, um, we really have an amazing setup where you can come live in the luxuries of first world. Like, let me tell you, these apartments are luxurious. Um, we often have that misconception in Peru, but we live pretty well, <laughs> uh, very comfortable apartments. And we have the full gym and co-working setup so you can take a break or continue working remotely if if your job allows for you and learn kite surfing in the afternoon so you can do that by contacting me via instagram aldea.peru um is our instagram or aldeaperu.com so it's a-l-d-e-a peru.com and anyone can get in touch about that Uh, i also know a lot about peru different everywhere i've been traveled everywhere in peru um so I can give you contacts as well if you want to include Machu Picchu on your trip or or any other destination, the jungle. There's so many things to do in Peru. It's I, I just can't stop talking about the country because I'm kind of obsessed with it. Yeah. But there's so much to do, um, and it's a really amazing opportunity. And the best time to come is can- Canadian winters. So when you want to get away from that cold, that is the very best time to kite surf. Anywhere from November to April is the, the midst of high season, but really you can go any time of the year. So guys, I love the fact that like Phil Kelly, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like it's amazing to have you on here. And if you if anybody is out there that's actually interested in taking a trip to Peru, like I said, I had randomly like I, I feel like the universe aligned just with like Kelly popping into my life <laughs> when I started Googling because I felt a little overwhelmed when I started researching Peru. And and that was just my personal experience. Yeah. Like I wasn't sure how to move myself around. So if anybody is considering a trip to Peru, I highly, highly recommend reaching out to Kelly. I'm gonna pop up all of your Instagram handles and your websites. Um so you'll be able to like find it in the notes of this actual podcast. Um, and if you wanted to reach out to Kelly directly, you, I'm sure you can DM her through social media or any of her website platforms and yeah. And just thank you so much, Kelly. I love, uh, love our little chat here on the podcast and, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time today. All right. Thank you, Amanda. And that is a wrap for this episode. So thank you so much for tuning into the Creative Influencer Show. I hope that you have gained some inspiration today and that you have left with your heart and your mind a little fuller. I love using this platform to chat, inspire, and discuss everything that lights my heart on fire. But a huge favorite for your girl, Amanda. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the channel and share with two of your friends. Tag them on social media and tag us. Creating content for this platform is what brings me so much joy and happiness. But I want to grow and I want to share these growth mindset concepts with everyone. And I can't do that without your help. So share and comment and spread the love. Until next time, guys, may you find gratitude in every day, live your life to the fullest, and be courageous enough to conquer the world.